Be dazzled this holiday season by Northern Virginia's largest drive-through light show at Bull Run Festival of Lights. Celebrate the holidays as a family while staying warm and cozy. Drive the festival route from the comfort of your car. Turn off your headlights and just follow the magical glow through two and a half miles of dazzling displays in Bull Run Regional Park in Centerville, Virginia. Plan your visit now. When you visit by mid-December, you'll save. Get your tickets today at BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. That's BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Fortman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center, One Church in Global Locations. To find out more about Bishop Fortman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. I am unconditionally loved by God and at Harvest. I come to God as I am, but I won't stay as I am. Because the life-giving message I'll receive will make me more like the great I am. I'm on 10, and I win in Jesus' name. Go to 1 Corinthians 11 one more time. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We were here on Sunday. Say, I need to cut it. Tonight, I'm going to teach you how to cut it. 1 Corinthians 11, 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we learned on Sunday that that word judge there means cut. Say cut. If you cut yourself, you wouldn't have to be cut. Verse 32. But when you are cut... You are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. In other words, God says, listen, either you cut it or he's going to cut it. Either way, it's going to get cut. But the cut is for your good. Say, it's for my good. Say, he cuts you because he loves you. Father, speak to us tonight that we will move and walk in what you have ordained. Taylor might customize this work for us, your people, that we would reset as you've ordained in our lives. And sometimes to reset, some stuff just has to be cut. And we bless you for it and honor you for it now. In Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, high five, two or three people say, you need to cut it. You need to cut it. You need to cut it. Every now and then, there are some areas of life we need to hit reset, and that's the series that we're in. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about this series, perhaps more so than any other series, because there's some stuff I'm ready to reset. Touch your neighbor say, I'm excited about resetting some stuff. And we need to hit reset and have a new beginning. And in this life-giving series, we're walking through how to reset to create new beginnings. Last week, we began hitting the reset button in ourselves. Uh, last Wednesday, we reset how we see success and uh, through the lenses of the side effects of success. And then this past Sunday, we talked about ex- to experience a reset, sometimes some stuff has to be cut. Touch your name say you need to cut it. A reset is defined uh, as to move something back into its original place or position or to put something back in the correct position for healing. Watch this. The reason some of y'all keep getting hurt is because you keep getting out of order. And whenever you get out of order, you're out of position. And when you're out of position, you're subject to being hurt. But just your neighbor say, not anymore. That second definition of reset, it means to put something back in the correct position for healing, which means, watch this, when you're out of order, you can't be healed. When you're out of order, you can't be on 10. When you're out of order, you can't be shalom. But when you get order back in your life, and it ought to be some people that are glad that you went through the hell that you went through because it got order back in your life. You ought to be glad that person walked out on you. It got order back in your life. You're... 
says, he says, if you're out of order, there cannot be healing. And then that third definition means to set something again or differently. And sometimes to reset, there's some stuff we need to cut. And in the Bible, what's that word called in the Bible? It's called what? Pruning. And to prune is to cut away dead or overgrown branches or stems so you can increase your fruitfulness and growth. There's some dead stuff that's attached to you that needs to go. It's some dead folk that's attached to you that need to go. It's some dead mentalities that are attached to you that need to go. The way you used to be is competing with who you are becoming and the all you needs to go. Now, in 1 Corinthians 11.31, that word judge in Greek, which is the language of our New Testament, it means to cut. And that verse shows us that there's two ways to initiate pruning. First is to self-cut. That's by choice. The second is to sovereignly cut. That's by force. Self is you. Sovereign is God. Now, uh, God says if he does it, he's going to do it by force, which means, watch this, it's probably going to hurt. That's why there's some stuff that you're like, God, why does it hurt so bad? He said that's the only reason you, or that's the only way that made you listen. People either change when they learn enough that they want to or hurt enough that they have to. So sometimes God says, I knew that was going to hurt you, but you wouldn't have listened to me any other way. And had you cut it before I had to cut it, you would have been able to have control over the cut. Now, watch this, watch this, watch this. Uh, when, when you self-cut, Paul said, you won't have to be sovereignly cut. But to reset, some things must be cut because pruning produces more progress. So if I do not prune, I am stifling my progress. If I allow dead stuff, if I allow bad mentalities, bad ideologies, bad nouns, people, places, things, and ideas to remain attached to me, what I am doing is I am stopping my progress, which is the reason why some folks get in life and they call a midlife crisis and all that. You ain't have no midlife crisis. You ain't pruned. You are not depressed. You just need to prune. You are not at the bottom. You just need to prune. This is not the end of your life. You just need to prune. Just the neighbor say, you need a pruning. In fact, uh, when I came up in the sound, uh, this word prune here, when it's used in a different form, it actually refers to what's used as a laxative. And a laxative, some of y'all don't know nothing about that in Denver, but in the sound, whenever you got uh, stuff stuck on the inside of you that needed to come up out of you, they gave you a laxative, and the prune was one of those laxatives. And the prune would give you the ability to release and free up your flow. The reason you feel stuck in life is because there's some pruning you need to do that's going to help you free up your flow. Touch it, say, stop blocking my flow, stop blocking. In my f- now, pruning can seem overwhelming and it's not. It's just uncomfortable. Pruning can seem like loss, but it's not because God, when God is adding, he subtracts first. When God is multiplying, he divides first. See, God will subtract a lesser noun, person, place, thing, or idea, to add an on 10 noun. And on 10 means the best of the best. Please understand, whenever you got the rest, it, the best won't come. You miss what I just said. You miss what I uh, People who expect the best are only attracted to environments that have the best. Which means, watch this. If you want to be on 10, the rest got to get up out of your life so the best will show up in your life. <laughs> now, watch this. John 15, 2. Jesus said that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But every branch that bears fruit, what does he do? He prunes. So he cuts it. That it can bear more fruit. Check this out. God says, when I prune you, I'm actually complimenting you. Watch this. When you prune yourself, you are actually increasing your own self-esteem. If pruning is a compliment from God, it is a compliment to you, about you, from you. Watch this. 
Watch this. Watch this. Let me, let me give a real pragmatic example. Can I give a real? Now, if this offends you, you just need to go on and just get it in order, okay? Uh, all right. Now, watch this. Watch this. When you take pride in how you look, your nails are groomed. Let's use the Bible. They're pruned. Got it? Your hair, pruned. Stuff on your face, pruned. Your skin is not ashy because you pruned it. <laughs> Just follow the analogy. Watch this. Watch this. Taking care of yourself is a reflection of how you feel about you, what you think about you. So when you prune yourself, what you are saying is, I believe I have value. Too much value to allow dead stuff to stay connected to me. Would you touch your neighbor and say, you don't have a clue who you sit next to. Yeah, I made some mistakes, but I'm not one. I've had some failures, but I'm not one. I learned how to prune me because I love me some me. Touch your neighbor and say, learn to love yourself. You chasing everybody else loving you, baby. You better learn how to love yourself. Learn how to prune yourself. Self. It's, it's a reflection of what you think about you. Now, now, now watch this. Watch this. Matter of fact, you ever look at somebody who ain't pruned or groomed and you say, wow, you must be going through something because you look like what you've been through. But when you own 10 and you hitting reset, you don't look like what you've been through. If people only knew the hell that you've been through, if people only knew your story, if people only knew the nights you cried, touch your neighbor and say, you see my glory, but you don't know my story. They don't see when you were suicidal. They don't see when you wanted to drive your car off the bridge. They don't see when you wanted to take your own life, but thanks be to God. Is there anybody in here that can say, God's been good to me? There's some stuff in my story. If you only knew, it would... Ah. Now, I says, what needs to be pruned, we learned on Sunday, is easy as ABC. The first is assets. Now, watch this. If you were not here on Sunday and you're getting done on my disclaimers and all that, it's in the Bible. Deuteronomy 22.10, King James Version. It's in the Bible. It, and I say it, touch your name. It says, it's in the Bible. Now, you read it. One, two, ready, read. Let me tell you something. When I say everybody read, I mean everybody read. One, two, ready, read. Uh, now, now, watch this, watch this. Say, thou shalt not. It's a command, not a suggestion. Please understand. The Bible is not a bunch of suggestions. If you follow the book, your life's going to be great. If you don't, your life's going to suck. Suck is a Hebrew word for suck. Now, an ass, now, if you don't feel, I'm preaching the Bible, so I'm going to say ass. But if you don't like saying ass because you think you're cussing, then you can say donkey. I'm going to say ass. Because that's what's in the Bible. And the truth be told, okay. An ass is a metaphor for a stupid person, place, thing, or idea. How many types of asses are there? Two. Two types of asses. Now, external asses, internal asses. Now, external asses are typically nouns. People, places, things, and ideas in your life that are consistently inconsistent. Now, Watch this. Sunday I said it's typically people. I want to expand the definition. People, places, things, and ideas. Why do you keep going? What's this? Why do you keep going to environments of people? To environments of family members and relatives where they are consistently inconsistent. 
Why do you keep thinking thoughts that you already know are out of line, out of whack, out of order, ain't got no business thinking? Well, what's this? What's this? What's this? Uh, external answers are typically nouns, people, places, things, and ideas in your life that are consistently inconsistent. And sometimes to save time or energy, they yoke an ox with an ass. Now, they thought, watch this. They thought, and I've taught this uh, last week, so you need to get the CD, or Sunday, so you need to get the CD. But two ox were supposed to be yoked together. But sometimes to save time, energy, or money, or whatever they were trying to conserve, they would yoke an ox and they would yoke an ass together. Now, here's what's the problem with that, is that what they were trying to do by yoking to an ass, they didn't accomplish. It actually created unnecessary disruptions and delay because an ass could only perform well short term because they buck too much. There are certain people in your life that you've made permanent judgments about their performance after only watching them for three months. You ain't even seen them for 12 months to see how they're going to act when the weather changes. And when the weather changes, asses change. You ain't seen them with a promotion. The real test of how somebody is is when they get something they didn't have before. Let me see how you act when you get a little something, something, because that's the real measurement of how your ass is going to act. This is the Bible. You ever had them people that when, when, uh, when they didn't have nothing and you was helping them out there, I'm just, oh, you did that. And the moment they got something, all of a sudden, they, they ass forgot about your ass. I'm preaching the Holy Bible, church. You're like, well, listen, you so was nice. You so was good back then when we were down there and I was picking you up and dropping you off and doing all that. Now you got a little something and you can't even come help me. You can't even say, hey, you... I know it's real. It's the Bible. It's the Holy Bible, church. <laughs> now, watch this. They say they buck too much. Now, watch this. There are some people in your life that you already know they buck too much. And here's what you look like in the spirit. Now, I'm gonna, come on, video room. Don't make me go back. <laughs> That's what you look like in the spirit. See, you over there, the ox. The ox ready to shake some, do some, move some. See, ox, you, you had to qualify to be called an ox. Legally, you had to prove you could handle more than the rest before you could be upgraded to be called an ox. That's why all of them aren't called ox. Some of them are called bulls. Some of them are just cattle. To be legally called an ox, you had to prove you could carry more than the rest. You have to qualify to be classified an ox. Let me tell you what you've been in. You've been in your qualifying stages. To make it to the Olympics, you got to go through certain levels to qualify. Touch your neighbor and say, that's where you've been in life. That's why stuff keeps getting dumped on you, keep being put on you. And God is saying, I'm just expanding your capacity. You've got to handle more. You've got to be able to carry more weight than you've been carrying. Watch this now. Watch this. So, so, so there's the ox. But now watch this. Look at it. But then, but, but let's see, see the mismatch? See how the ass don't even fit in the yoke quite right? See, that's what you look like when you try to make puzzle pieces that don't fit. All right, you, you still here, church? Now, watch this. Here's what would happen. When the ox and the ass, so what would they do, Bishop? So in an agricultural culture and society, they would go for it. And as they were going for it, 
the ox, they'd be treading the grain or whatever it is that they were doing. They'd be carrying a load, whatever. Now, the, the yoke was that wooden piece that connected the two. And when the two got connected, what ended up happening is that the ox would do its part, but the ass would buck and it would slow up and it would cause delay and disruption to the flow. But because the ox likes getting things done, the ox would just keep using its brute strength to get things done. So it made it look like the ass was actually progressing when it wasn't. It was the ox that was carrying the ass. So what happened is the ox could do it for a little while until the ox looked over at the ass and said, I'm sick of carrying. I can't carry my weight and your weight. Some of you grown folk are carrying other grown people talking about you just doing ministry. You ain't doing ministry. You are creating misery. You ain't helping nobody. Sometimes the best thing you can do is get out of the way and say, you made the bed, now lying, and you created a problem, now deal with it. So, so what would happen is that it would create a disruption and it would create a delay because the, the ass, where we get the concept of it and why Moses forbade it, is because they were always bucking. They were always creating delay. They were always creating disruption. And it tired the ox. And I said this to you and it's such a powerful quote. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes we think that someone present means that they're purposeful. But you need to understand people present in your life doesn't mean they're purposeful in your life. Let me prove it to you. How is it you got all them contacts in your phone and when you need, when you really going through something, you can't call none of them? Y'all y- 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 going to look at me like that? Ain't nobody saying that. I, today I did something. Let me tell you what I did today. Today, 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 uh, today I went through my phone. I said, I got all these folk in this phone. I said, and the truth be told, m- most of the giving comes from me. So today I went through my phone, delete, 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 delete. I got, I, I went from several hundred contacts down, it's like 94 now, it's only 94. I'm trying to get them 94 down. It's quiet, church. <laughs> now, watch this, watch this. The Bible forbids us to plow with an ass. Now, now say plow. Now, plow means to be together with, to plan with, to build with, conspire to be silent with about matters that should be discussed with a superior. That's what that Hebrew word means. To quit that which you were committed to with, to be alone with, and to ignore leadership's direction with. You're forbidden to do those things with an ox, or excuse me, with an ass. Now, watch this. So, question. Why are you sitting up talking about plans with somebody that's consistently inconsistent? Okay, nobody goes in there. Why in the world are you talking about, uh, 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 let's go do this, with somebody that's consistently inconsistent? Doesn't ever say, you need to cut it. Now, now watch this, watch this, watch this. It forbids us to plow with an ass. And the problem isn't the ass. This is review. I'm going to move stuff in a minute. It is what it is. An ass is what it is. Uh, Haters hate. That's what they do. Liars lie. That's what they do. Snakes bite. That's what they do. Broke folks stay broke. That's what they do. Crazy folk, crazy. That's what they do. The issue, you keep saying, I'm just trying to change them. You're dealing with the wrong problem. The issue isn't them. The issue is you're yoked to them. Yeah, I hear what I'm saying. Now, 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 now. And that's what we're going to cut tonight. I said, that's what we're going to cut tonight. Now, watch this. The second ass that, uh, 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 that there is is the internal ass, which is your what? 
attitude, which is a settled way of thinking or feeling about something or someone that's reflected in behavior. And it's often determined by your past. There's an acronym for past. Painful, aggravating, and agitating situations that have transpired. Painful, agitating, and aggravating situations that have transpired. Say, that's my past. Now, watch this. Your attitude is shaped by your past. That's why whenever you find folk with stank attitudes, they got stank past. Let me translate. This is different. Stank just means a, a, an unpleasant disposition. You ever met somebody that just, just they whole disposition, their whole aura is just, yeah. No, I'm serious. And if you ain't met nobody like that, you're the person we met like that. Like, you, like, 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 watch this. Like, you try to be kind to somebody. You know, I, I, was, I was handling some business yesterday and, and went in and went to shake the, shake the gentleman's hand. And he just had a nasty disposition. So I looked over at my guy and I said, we're done here. I said, we're done here. He said, he said, he said oh, Bishop. He said, what's, what's I said, listen, I don't deal with asses. So if you think I'm going to pay my money and deal with your ass, you crazy. <laughs> you, you must be crazy. I'm preaching the Bible, church. This is the Holy Bible. If you don't like ass, you can say donkey. Put the verse up for everybody just joining us online or whatever. Put the verse up, Deuteronomy 22.10, King James. You read it. One, two, ready, read. It's the Bible. Now, watch this. Watch this. Now, <laughs> now, now watch this. Your, your attitude is often determined by your past, painful, aggravating, and agitating uh, situations that have transpired. Now, this took us to the B thing that we needed to cut on Sunday, which was what, church? Bitterness. Bitterness is angry, hurt, or res being resentful because of a bad experience. But what's the second part of the definition of bitterness? Or a sense of unjust treatment. That's what a problem is. Because a sense is totally relative, meaning sensing unjust treatment is based on your perception which means you can be bitter about something that never happened you can be bitter about something that never transpired you can be bitter about something that never really even took place have you ever been mad about something to only find out the facts later to discover you had no right to be mad in the first place you ever had an attitude with somebody because you thought that something had happened to only find out later that what you thought happened didn't actually happen and now you feel dumb for having an attitude because you were acting like a... So bitterness is crazy because you can be bitter about something that didn't even happen. Are you here, church? Now, now, now watch this. Acts 23 says bitterness is poison. Not today? Oh, okay. <laughs> Say poison, church. Okay, now let's see. This is why I don't even. Now, the 1115. <laughs> On Sunday, I told you, I told the 915 they were going to do something, and they did exactly what I said they were going to do at the 1115. Now, say it's poison. A bitterness is poison that you drink hoping it hurts something or someone else. Here's the crazy thing about it. You can't control what poison does once it's ingested. You can't control what happens after you didn't drink some Drano. Now, now, now watch this. Now, now watch this. Uh, everything that's said in front of you, you don't have to drink. Just like everything that's said in front of you, you don't have to eat. And when, when, you, when you come up in the South, um, you, you have the expectation that everything, you go anywhere. I don't care where you went. Listen, especially on holidays, 
you go, you know, you go to house one because you go to like three, four houses throughout the day. You go to like house one. That's probably one of your aunties, cousins, them, something like that. Nim is a, a southern colloquialism for them. Now you go and you go and you'll eat and you'll be good and full. You know you full. You know you full because you're like, I should have stopped the plate ago. Don't y'all look at me, Denver, like y'all. Y'all eat food on holidays, end up eating granola and stuff. I know y'all have real food. Now, here's what happens. Then you'll go somewhere else. And they don't care that you just came from eating. They don't care that you got four plates in the car right now with foil on top of them. Come on in here, baby. Get you something to eat. Oh, no, I'm good. I don't need nothing to eat. No, nah, baby, just go and sit down and get something to eat. Now, we done made all this food. Now, there's four people living in the house. They got two turkeys, five hams. 14 pies. <laughs> and so watch this. So in the sound, you, you, you sort of have this mentality sometimes that, well, everything that's said in front of me, I need to eat it because if I don't, I'm, I'm being rude. In certain cultures in the world, the principles are the same. This is what you're trying to say. In life, sometimes you've bought into the idea that just because somebody's been cruel to you, that you have to be bitter about it. Just because somebody lied on you, about you, to you, that you have to somehow drink the bitterness. But I dare you to high five your neighbor and say, I'm not messing with that poison. I ain't messing with that poison. Now, th th there, were, there were two times, two times that we talked about where bitterness really shows up. First with God. Sometimes because life isn't the way we want it to be. And we looked at Psalm 8411 that says, no good thing would he withhold uh, from uh, them that are righteous. We are righteous. But he gave us righteousness, which is right standing with God as a free gift. Say, I am righteous. All right, now check this out. The book says there's no good thing he'll withhold from you. But in life, sometimes we'll think it's good for us because it's what we want. Have you ever noticed how what you want you'll think is good just because you want it? That's good for me because that's what I want. Now realizing that desire has nothing to do with value. Desire has nothing to do with something's ability to actually produce something that's productive for you. So watch this. So, so no good thing will he withhold, which means if he withheld it, it might be from hell. Or secondly, you didn't meet the prerequisites. We looked at this on Sunday. I'm getting to the sea. I'm just making sure we're on the same page. Hebrews 10.36 says, after we have done the will of the Lord, then we obtain the promise. Now, so some stuff you're waiting on and God is saying, well, you haven't qualified for that yet. God's love is free. Favor has a fee. The blessing has a fee. Does that make sense? Now, let me just make it real plain for you. Uh, sometimes people are expecting things to manifest in life, and they've not put in uh, the prerequisite in order for that to happen. That's like you showing up at the college talking about, I need my doctorate. Well, sir, do you have a master's? No. Do you have a bachelor's? No. Do you have an associate's? No. Did you graduate high school? I'm working on it. Well, we don't have a doctorate to offer you. Why? You've not met the prerequisites. So there's certain stuff in life you're like, why isn't God doing this? And God is like, are you really asking me that? You ain't done nothing I said to do. How in the world are you in expectation of that when you've not done what I asked? Okay, since y'all ain't going to say nothing, let me help myself. How do you expect to be out of debt but you don't tithe? Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. I said, I figured it'd get quiet right there. I'm just waiting on him to pay my debt off. Let me make it a Let me tell you something. Ain't nothing finna get paid off. 
How you going to rob from God and then ask him to pay something for you? That's like, that's, like, that's like going somewhere, you ain't got no money and offering to pay for stuff for other people. But I come on, man, let's run, we're going to run down and show, man. We're going to run down and show, okay, all right, cool, cool. I got you, no, I got you, I got you. You ain't got no money. You ain't got no money. But you tell another people, you inviting other people. Then when you get there, you got me? Well, who's paying for all of them that you have invited? It's quiet, church. Okay, watch this. If you be willing and obedient, then you eat the good of the land. What's the prerequisite? Willing and obedient. To, to eat what? The good of the land. What does that mean for us? Good life. Shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all as well. So if I'm not obedient, I'm not entitled to shalom. So I can pray for it. I can fast for it. I can go outside when it's raining and run around in the rain and just not receive it. And just, you can do whatever you want. It ain't coming. God is not, this is not Aladdin. He's not a genie in the bottle where you rub him the right way. But the person you sit next to is a person that knows how to meet the prerequisites. You ought to high five your neighbor and say, I don't know about you, but I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Yeah, my days of disorder are over. My days of uh, not doing it God's way are over. My days of not being on 10 are over. Why? I declare I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. That's the neighbor and say, I'm one of them. All right, now, 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 then sometimes you can be bitter with uh, others and yourself. Now, watch this. But, Bishop, I just don't understand why sons so did me like that. Let me help you with something in life. Now, this is really going to help you. Touch your neighbor said, it's going to help you. People only do two things. There's only two things that people do. The first thing is they do what they want. Here's the second thing people do, what they want. Bishop, why didn't so-and-so do this? They didn't want to. Bishop, why did so-and-so break the engagement off? They didn't want to marry you. Nah, nah, just cut all the extra off. Just cut. Well, we so much, and I put that baby both of y'all lying. It's because they didn't want you. That's just this is why. It's quiet, church. Why did so and so lie on me? Because they figured you was gonna tell the truth about them. People do what they want. Doesn't say people do what they want. All right. So once you understand that, now stop trying to dig into the why and just realize the what is because they wanted to. It's quiet. Yeah, dog. All right. Now, oh, Bishop, why is that important to understand? Why is this? Because at the end of the day, uh, they did what they did because they wanted to. And if you stay bitter about that, watch what they get. They retain control of you. There are some people that you no longer see that still have control. And the reason they have control is because you're bitter. Bitterness is the residue of a painful experience. And because you're bitter, watch this, you could be having a great day and then all of a sudden that bitterness start bubbling and then all of a sudden, and, and then this is when you be acting weird in the middle of the day. Y'all not going to say nothing, huh? You ever woke up just, I'm on 10, man, this is going to be the day. This is, this is the day the Lord has made. And then all of a sudden something flashed across your mind. And people be like, what's wrong with you? Oh, I, I just got a lot on my mind. Well, you was just talking about God and this and all of that and all of that. What happened? What happened is you drank the poison. And it didn't mess with your day and it's only 1045 in the morning. It's quiet. Now, <laughs> now, 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 watch this. Now, watch this. 
Hebrews 12 teaches us uh, about Jacob's brother. His brother was named Esau. Say Esau. Esau. Now, as a result of his bitterness, he made bad decisions that he couldn't reverse later, and he gave up what he shouldn't have. Now, watch this. There is a difference, hear me, Harvest, between resetting and quitting and between being prudent and punking out. Prudent is wisdom, punking out is quitting. A reset does not mean a quit on what challenges you. Because you only grow when you're uncomfortable. You only grow when you're challenged. Touch your neighbor and say, that's the only time you grow. All right, now, watch this. Say, I'm cutting this bitterness. Ephesians 4.31. We get into the sea, and then I'm going to tell you how to break it. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Ephesians 4.31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking do what? Be put away from you with all malice. Malice is the desire to see somebody hurt. Let it, which means he was saying, what could you do? Cut it. Touch your neighbor and say, cut it. So watch this. How many people since Sunday you've had some stuff come across your mind that you realize I'm still a little bitter about that? Anybody, anybody had that happen? Okay, good. All right, all right, all right. Now, here's the trip about it. The reality is, is that sometimes you think you're over bitterness because it's a residue. Watch this. And the residue only contaminates when it gets wet. You didn't hear what I just said. You didn't hear what I just said. Uh, when something's a residue, you'll say, oh, I'm good. I'm over that. I'm on 10. Best of the best. Until that situation is stirred up again in your mind. And when it gets wet, a residue now become, it begins to contaminate. Okay. Anybody in here ever drank Kool-Aid? All right, Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. Anybody still drink Kool-Aid? Okay, but all that white sugar, huh? Lift your hand so I can get you delivered. No, I'm just joking. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Watch this. That powder is like bitterness. By itself, the most you can do is treat it like it's a pixie stick. (laughs) It really takes form when it gets wet, when it's stirred up. You catching the point? All right, so here's, here's the deal with bitterness. The reason that we've got to stir it up is so we can find out where it is. Because if not, you'll walk around in life talking about you're healed from stuff, and you're not healed from it, you just don't talk about it. You're not free from it, it's just not in front of you. But tonight. I said, but tonight. Y'all touch your neighbor and say, I'm cutting that bitterness off my life. I'm cutting... Yeah, whatever they did to you when you were three, when you were 10, when you were 15, 23, whatever, that's being cut off of your life. Not tomorrow, but it's being cut off of your life tonight. Somebody holler tonight. All right, all right. So now, now, now watch this. This, this, is so, this is so important. He said, let it be put away, which means you need to cut it. So I need to cut it. So the A, asses. The B, bitterness. Here's the C, crazy confessions. Now, here's why I gave them to you in that order. When you deal with asses, you'll become bitter and say crazy stuff. So <laughs> y'all not saying nothing to me. Now, now say crazy confessions. Now, I, now I've taught on this a, a bunch, so I just want to give you one scripture. I've taught on this a bunch. There's tons of teaching resources in the bookstore. Proverbs 6.2. I just want you to see this. Proverbs meaning wisdom. Proverbs 6.2. Look what he says. You are snared. That word snared there means boxed in in Hebrew. By the devil. No, no, it says. You are snared by your generational curses. That's not what the book says. You are snared by who don't like you. 
No. He said, you are snared, talk to me Wednesday, by the words of your mouth, which means the limits that exist around you, you put there. And you put there with your own mouth. If you have lack, let me tell you where it came from. Your mouth. If you can't find loyal people, let me tell you where that came from. Your mouth. You're boxed in by the words of your mouth. Then he says you are taken. You, 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 are, you are defeated by the words of your mouth. Now, here, here's what's crazy. Touch your neighbor so you need to cut that. Now, when you're bitter and when you're going through crazy stuff, how many times have you said stuff that you knew you shouldn't have said? but you just still said it anyhow. Okay, watch this. Have you ever noticed how, how this is, let's be honest. This is wisdom. Can we be honest with one Have you ever noticed how like you stopped yourself and you felt good, but, but then the pain of the situation in the moment like pushed something out of you? Y'all, y'all ain't gonna be real. Big. What happens when the ass you're yoked to is your attitude and so you're fighting with you? So the ox side of you is fighting with the ass side of you and both of them is going at it together at the same time. And you're trying to be on 10, an ox on 10, Roman numeral X. You're trying to be on 10, but you're having an internal battle and then the ass comes out. And then you'll say something like, nothing ever works for me. Okay, and now what did Proverbs say? What does he say? So you've now been boxed in to what? No, 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 you missed it. You've been what? boxed in by what you said what's the box nothing can ever work out for you you're missing it church you missed it what became the box what you said so when you say stuff like I just always mess stuff up what's your box always messing stuff up what does that then mean you can never get anything right When you say stuff like, I'm such a, I'm not even going to say it because I ain't even trying to put that out there. But when you say, you is such a failure. (laughs) I I have to reverse it. Reverse, reverse. Watch this. Okay, watch it. (laughs) Look, what became the box? Your failure. So who made you a failure? You did. When you say you'll never lose that weight or you'll never gain that weight or you'll never be the weight you were when you were in high school (laughs) or whatever you say, what became your box? Your words. When you say it seems like I take two steps forward, get knocked back 400, What became your box? Watch this. You can never have permanent addition. So anytime something is added, your mouth has made it illegal to remain. But today. Because watch this. If I can be boxed in by my words, be a good church, be a good church because I'm done. If I can be boxed in my by words, that then also means that I can step out the box by my words. I dare you to high five your neighbor and say, you're going to use your mouth tonight. You're going to use it. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, if my mouth can be something that creates a curse, then my mouth can be something that creates the blessing. It, he said, he said you, are, you are boxed in by the words coming out of your mouth. Now, so here's the question. We got A, asses. B, bitterness. C, crazy confessions. How many of us just this week you said some stuff that you like, oh, my God, did I say that? There's some stuff I didn't sat up and said and said, did you just say that? Don't look at me with that judgmental tone of face. There's some stuff I've said just this week that I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I got to go unsay this. <laughs> now, watch, watch. Here's how you cut it. Y'all want to cut it? Now, I'm going to give you a real spiritual word. I'm talking slow. We're going to go into fifth gear in about two minutes. Now, watch this. Uh, it's a spiritual word, and, and I'm going to teach you what it means because church folks say it and don't be knowing what they're talking about. But you, since I'm your pastor, I need you to know what you're talking about. Amen. All right, so when you say stuff and you hear people say stuff, you can be like, keep all that over there. You don't even know what you're talking about. You don't even know what you're talking about. Keep all of that over there. Now, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Uh, say the anointing. Now, specifically, now, now I'm telling you how to cut it. Say, this is how I cut it. Specifically, the anointing oil. It is the word shemen, S-H-E-M-E-N in Hebrew. It was smeared or poured over an individual. And the anointing, it means grace. Grace is when God gives you something you do not deserve. And it means favor. Favor is preferential treatment. Say the anointing. The anointing oil uh, does two very distinct things in the text. And I've talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to teach about it uh, tonight. The anointing oil is a point of contact for healing. Go to Mark 6.12. Go to Mark 6.12. It's a point of contact for healing. Mark 6.12. Here's what it says. So they went out and preached that people should repent. Uh, now, let me just throw this in there. Some people are still sick and still struggling financially and still messed up. It's because they won't repent. Watch this. Not just to God, but to who they wronged. If there's something that won't leave you, maybe you need to check who you need to apologize to. Verse 13, and they cast out many demons. Read the next part, Wednesday. So what did the oil, what was the oil a point of contact for? Healing. So then the oil is not just oil in a bottle. The oil then becomes a point of contact that connects heaven to earth. And it gives, watch this. It gives healing the power to flow to you. Think of it like this. If lightning was coming from the sky, lightning needs something it needs to connect with so that it can affect something on the earth. You're not hearing me. So what the oil does is the oil becomes the contact point between heaven and you so that healing can flow to you. But check it out. Not just physical healing, but emotional healing. The healing of your soul, which is your mind, thoughts, will, and emotions. What does the book say? That they cast out many demons and they anointed with oil men who were sick and healed them. Touch your name and say, you're getting healed tonight. Now, that ain't enough faith. Touch your name and say, you're getting healed tonight. And I don't have all that to know. Bishop, I'm not sick. I'm not just talking about physical healness. I'm talking about emotional stuff. I'm talking about stuff that's been in you for years, stuff that's been buried in you for years, stuff that nobody in the family's talked about, nobody's addressed. Touch your neighbor and say, you ain't walking out of here with that stuff tonight. But, but then secondly, the anointing oil breaks yokes. Now remember, Deuteronomy 22.10, thou shalt not plow with an ass and an ox together. Together there meant yoked, the yoke, the connection. Now check this out. 
Uh, Isaiah 10, 27. We looked at it at one of the experiences for a little bit on Sunday. Watch this. Isaiah 20, 10, 27. It shall come to pass in that day. Say today is that day. See, 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 the way you agree with me determines whether or not this manifests for you. Matthew 18, 19, where two agree on anything, it shall be done for them. Now, uh, say today is that day. That his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke away from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed. Why, church? No, we're going to read it again. I'm telling you how to cut it. It shall come to pass in that day. Say today is that day. Now notice that his burden. Now, if I had time to teach you in context, there was an enemy specifically dealing with the Midianites that had oppressed them for a certain amount of time. So the book says that there was a burden that had been imposed because of an ass. But I'm time. It shall come to pass that in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke away from your neck. Now, remember, what's the issue with the, with the ass and the ox? The yoke is the issue. So how do we cut it? How do we break the yoke? What does the Bible say? No, y'all not saying it. Y'all not saying it. How do we break it, church? Now, you hear? Now, now watch this. I've mentioned this recently uh, that you should have a bottle of oil. Y'all got it? Who got it? Who got one? Now, now watch this. Now, I don't want you to think of this as hocus pocus or none of that. I'm just telling you what the book says. Now, you should use this every day. And I'm going to tell you why practically. You should use this every day to anoint yourself, parents, anoint your children, anoint your workspace. Anoint your car, people that come in your house, people that walk in your office. If you get an office with a door, you need everybody that come past that door, you just need to say, point to the oil. Just like, just, I'm going to need you to. Now, watch, watch. In the Bible, uh, the Bible says this is what will empower you to cut it. Depression isn't the problem. The fact that you're yoked to it is. What people did to you isn't your problem. The fact that you're still yoked to it is. What the snake did to you isn't the problem. It's that you think you could have still done something different not realizing snakes bite. That's just what they do. Alcohol isn't the problem. It's the fact that you're still yoked to it. Whatever the issue is isn't the problem. The problem is that you're yoked to it. But tonight, look at your neighbor and say, you're going to cut it tonight. You're going to cut it tonight. And when you walk in your job tomorrow, folk going to say, what happened to you last night? I cut some stuff. That's what I did. Family folk going to see you tomorrow and say, you look different. You acting different. I cut some stuff. That's what happened. Touch your neighbor and say, you need to cut it. But look, look, here's what the oil's doing behind the scenes. Because I know some of y'all are thinking it's a bishop. Bishop, you telling me, if I go get some oil and put some oil on the asses, the bitterness, and the crazy confessions are going to be fixed. Not pretty much. <laughs> but, 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 but let me tell you what's happening behind the scenes. Say the oil is doing something behind the scenes. Now, Isaiah 10, 27, watch this. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder. That word shoulder in Hebrew, the language of our Old Testament, it means shekem. Say shekem. This means, watch this church, it removes consent to stay on your back. You missed it. The reason that you're still dealing with the asses, the bitterness, and the crazy confession is because you gave it consent to be on you. You gave discouragement consent to stay. You gave depression consent to stay. But the book says the oil removes its consent to stay on your back. 
And not only does it remove consent to stay on your back, it removes consent to be your portion in life. What does that mean, my portion in life? Uh, you ever heard this saying, you know, I guess that's just a lot in life I've been given. I guess that's just the hand I've been dealt. Right? We've also said all that. Here's what the oil does according to the book. The book says that it removes consent, watch this, for that yoke to be your portion. Which means lack is no longer your portion. Bitterness is no longer your portion. But until consent is, see, watch this. This is why you'll feel good, you'll feel good, you can church, you'll feel good, and then you go home, and then you feel crazy. Why? Because you never removed consent. And until you remove consent, it may leave you for a little bit because it know it can't come up in here. But then as soon as you get back out there, it's like, hey, what's up? Because it still has consent. But tonight, touch your neighbor and say, you cutting it off tonight. I just need some faith in this room. But some folks say, I ain't dealing with that bitterness tomorrow. I'm not dealing with that drama tomorrow. I'm removing consent and I'm removing it tonight. Touch your neighbor and say, remove consent, remove consent. It, it literally means I'm revoking your right to stay on my back. I'm revoking your right to be in my life. I'm revoking, okay, watch this next one, and then I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Uh, okay, you still here? This will come to pass. In that day, say today is that day. That his burden will be taken away from your shoulder, Shechem. Remove since Kent to stay on your back and be your portion in life. Watch this. And his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be, what does the Bible say? What does it say? Now, here's what that word destroyed means in, in, in the Hebrew. Shabal, for my note takers. It means to injure. Now watch this. This is going to shout me. It means to respond with great emotional or physical discomfort to a violent or unpleasant feeling or thought. Some of y'all are like, Bishop, what does all that mean? Let me just make it real simple. In other words, the oil will start to torture what was torturing you. Whatever. The book says that to cut it, touch your neighbor and say, you're going to cut it tonight. Gonna, I ain't got my big scissors tonight. I got my small scissors tonight. To cut it, the book says that what the oil's going to do, once it removes consent, it's going to say, now listen, for every moment they were unproductive. For every day they were unproductive. For every season of life they were unproductive. We're getting ready to put you through the same hell you put them through. And it begins to torture what was torturing you. Ah, what was this? I'm going to say it one more time. I'm going to say it one more again. And his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be injured. Tortured. Why? Because of the oil. Put the verse up. And the yoke will be injured. And tortured because of the oil. Why church? Why church? Why church? Now watch this. Now, now here's I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna make this real pragmatic for you, real practical. Number one, you need to get some. Some oil. Now, I told you this a few weeks ago, 
and, and, and I want you to do this again tonight. When you get some, and every day, somebody say every day. Every day. You just need to follow the book. <laughs> and behind the scenes, what that oil is doing, it's a point of contact. See, the oil itself is a high-quality, fine olive oil. Let me just, just to be clear. But that's not what makes the oil powerful. What makes the oil powerful is that an anointed one laid his hands upon the anointing oil. And what was spoken and decreed over the oil. But here's what makes the oil powerful. In, in Exodus 30, there was the recipe for the oil. There were five ingredients, five, the number of grace, the number of favor. Right? So there were five ingredients in the oil. And what was significant about it was that uh, in those ingredients and with that oil, what made the oil valuable was not the oil itself per se. What made the oil valuable was the fact that an olive had to die and be crushed for the oil to be produced. You missed it. What makes the oil valuable is because it represents sacrifice. Now, what well, says the book says that that oil is going to cut say cut the yoke. And it's going to remove consent. Watch this. Some asses are attracted to you because you're too nice. So they take advantage of you. All right. They asses smell mercy. They see us from five miles away. I'm a recovered mercy person. I'm recovering. I'm getting better day by day. I'm telling you, I'm getting better day by day. So someone says, answers, they, 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 they can sense it. And so they're like, oh. Mercy, mercy me. Watch this. Let me prove it to you. This is why people with severe dysfunctions got quiet. How you always find folks that's projects? Okay, y'all ain't gonna say nothing. I'm a little long. <laughs> now, watch this. The oil, the Bible says, removes consent for that to be your portion. Which means when the oil is applied, the consent for anything less than 10 to come into your life ends the consent for bitterness to remain ends the consent for crazy confessions to remain experiences are what people love the most about travel viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking mount kilimanjaro in tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the caribbean they offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply.